I'm Anne and I'm a mom. I'm Ryan and I'm not a mom. And this is Mama Needs a Movie. Today we're going to be talking about the new Jane Campion movie, The Power of the Dog, uh, which is streaming on Netflix right now and uh, just won a Golden Globe. It won a Golden Globe. It's hot in the race for the Oscars. Many are saying that Power of the Dog will win all the Oscars this year. Yeah, I don't know what the Oscars will be like because certainly the Golden Globes were something I did not realize had happened until it just said uh, Power of the Dog won a Golden Globe. And I thought, oh, those happened. I the guess. Golden Globes were held in like a, a secret underground bunker uh, and given away to a mysterious set of films that no one understands. Um, this year's Academy Awards, who knows where they'll hold it? Probably in some downtown Denny's and uh, give it away to, you know, some obscure, you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll be like Annette wins best picture at a small time uh, nickel cafe be, ceremony. I, I think, it, I think it'll be uh, one of the, the Epstein islands or maybe on the, the airplane. Uh, the, <laughs> the, airplane was called. the Lolita express. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, that's probably where the uh, Academy Awards will be held this year. But uh, on the short list of movies that will uh, be competing is most likely The Power of the Dog, which uh, I'll just jump. Should I jump right into the synopsis of the film? Yeah. Just what's it about? It's about uh, a cowboy. It's about some cowboys. It's not I guess you could say it's a Western, although not a really a conventional Western set in 1925 Montana. Two brothers, Phil and George Burbank, who are played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, are in the middle of a cattle drive. Uh, there are some ranchers in the middle of a cattle drive, and they are uh, very different. Uh, the Jesse Plemons character is sort of a shy and retiring type, and his brother Phil, this is Benedict Cumberbatch, is a very sour, very bothered kind of belligerent guy. During this cattle drive, they come across a restaurant inn that is run by a woman named Rose Gordon, who's played by uh, Kirsten Dunst. She is a widow uh, who is raising her son, Peter, uh, played by Cody Smith McPhee. And Peter is a very sensitive, very creative teen who makes drawings and flower arrangements. And he sort of seems out of place in this largely roughneck cowboy environment phil burbank this uh, this this uh, cantankerous cowboy character uh he's a uh, very cunning and hostile and uh really antagonizes this this character rose played by kirsten dunst even after his brother uh marries her and that's when uh things get uh, really crazy in terms of the, the benedict cumberbatch character being really 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 hostile and nasty to this woman so sort of what i've sketched out is roughly the first half of the movie um and the rest of the movie sort of deals with this threat of violence how how far is this character gonna uh, go uh, is he going to take his anger out on Rose in some kind of unexpected way? Is he going to, worse yet, take his anger out on the on this kid Peter in some kind of unexpected way? And so it's a it's kind of a it's a western, but also sort of a thriller uh, from that point on. I think there's also the part of it that the Jesse Plemons character is is uh, they they talk about how he's a little bit more of a loser when it came to school that. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch was a genius and then they both became these uh these ranchers but that that's kind of like a strange setup that the the smarter meaner one is not the nerdier one yeah he's brilliant they say uh everyone says that Phil this is Benedict Cumberbatch he's 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 brilliant and he has some kind of unspecified brilliance it seems like yeah, and he seems like he's constantly frustrated with how nobody is as clever as he is, but also just mad in general. He has this this story from the past about they they had a guy who was kind of like the man who taught them how to be ranchers, but was sort of a legendary cowboy named Bronco Henry, which kind of made me laugh, honestly. 
Bronco Henry just sounds so made up. Yeah, Bronco um, Henry is not a yeah, it sounds a little <laughs> it fake. Sounded <laughs> like no, 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 you can't be talking about Bronco Henry this much without me laughing. But uh, it's pretty obvious that Benedict Cumberbatch's character was in love with him and not only respected him, but also was totally in love with him and still is. And that part of it is, it's kind of really kind of sad because he's torturing the, the new wife, but he's not really, it seems like he's, he's torturing her in these ways that to me really didn't seem very threatening. They just seem more like, like he's, she's trying to play piano and she can't play piano and she's embarrassed that she can't play piano. And then he comes in and plays incredible banjo to make her feel bad, I guess. But that does not strike me as a person who's extremely dangerous, who's going to uh, insult you with banjo. I think that, that you're saying that, he, that, that his threats don't come off as, as uh, particularly menacing. I think they were very menacing in the movie, though. I think I just didn't feel like they were because of how they seem to be centered around just making her feel bad that he wasn't actually threatening her with anything he was just insulting her to the point where she was feeling like oh yeah I guess I'm not really good enough at playing piano to play for the governor and I I mean honestly it seemed like she was just frustrated with being by herself because her husband was constantly gone and then she was around the the brother who was not being particularly pleasant with her, but wasn't being like, he was definitely not in the way that I would expect. I suppose it wouldn't, I would expect that he would be maybe like trying to make a move on her or something. And that was not the story at all, but he was kind of not gaslighting her, but he was sort of belittling her over and over and over again. And, and then when her son gets involved with him or, or gets to be sort of closer with him or seemingly closer with him, that seems to drive her crazy even more. So I, I suppose that I felt like the description that I read of this movie is how he's very threatening. And, and it's, it just seems kind of off to me. Like, I don't find him that threatening. I find him insulting. But if you felt kind of confident about yourself, you'd just be like, okay, so you can play banjo. I'm supposed to cry? Yes. <laughs> you, like so you can play banjo really well. Yes. Great. Cool. I'm not going to go drink myself to death. I, I guess I found her reaction a little bit extreme. Well, I think she had a drinking problem. That's something we didn't mention is maybe she has a drinking problem, maybe before he even comes. And then, well, and they then it, don't show her having a drinking problem, but her husband committed suicide. So she probably has some depression and issues coming into this story that are not anything to do with phil but then phil is sort of to blame for them all because he takes advantage of her being kind of in a weakened state and is like i don't like this person but i think the general attitude about her from from phil from his parents and even from her husband is kind of like oh we have to be a little bit careful with this woman so is it phil or is it that she's kind of a mess I don't know if she's a mess. She's definitely delicate or not. I don't even know if she's delicate. I mean, she's troubled in a certain way. And she doesn't seem in the beginning to be having really a lot of problems at all. She's raising a son who um, I, I think we were supposed to maybe interpret he, that he might have, he might be a little neurodivergent or something. Um, that was, I don't know if I'm way off in that um Assessment. I didn't really I didn't really get that. I thought that initially it seemed like they were trying to that that other people thought he was gay, but he definitely wasn't gay. He was just a kind of an artistic guy. He was just sort of a very clean artistic boy. Yeah, because I I um the, the movie doesn't explicitly kind of say anything about him uh, besides showing him into uh these sort of detail-oriented artistic things and then at one point he's shown um dissecting an animal which leads you to believe i don't know i, I was kind of like well is he into is he into science is he a serial killer is he like uh is he just a strange boy like um uh, I feel well like- i think he has a really strong connection to his mom but we don't really know before that what has happened i mean he he says that he saw his dad he found his dad who had killed himself so he's a sort of traumatized 
a creative kid who really doesn't fit in and in that sort of world of the West and everyone when he's in the camp with all the other cowboys, they're yelling insults at him. And it's, it's, I mean, to me, that really didn't seem very different than kind of a, a skinny, awkward kid who's in high school is getting insults from the football players or something. Yeah. A world that I know very well from television. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never uh, I've never seen a football player in real life, but seen a, a thousand shows about a football player. Yes, uh, I've heard about player. them. I'm aware that some of them are uh, rude to skinnier kids. But this guy, I think it's more like as the movie progresses, he's a worthy adversary for Phil. He's actually a he's more OK with himself in some way than Phil is, because Phil is it, it obviously has some conflicted feelings about his sexuality that are causing him a lot of angst and uh that the book was written in the 1967 so some of this stuff is a little it's maybe based in a slightly different era where Brookback Mountain wasn't out yet it feels it's a little it's a little like okay still talking about this hmm I don't know if that's the most interesting topic and maybe that's small minded of me, but gay cowboy feels it's a little on the nose. somehow. <laughs> Did it feel a little bit passe after Brokeback like, Mountain? I mean, sexy gay cowboy is like, like sexy, naked gay cowboy. There was sexy, naked gay cowboy. In there, there is, there is a sexy, naked gay. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I was trying to take it seriously, but then when he has, Bronco Henry's scarf and he's playing with the scarf and I was like this actually feels sort of silly because it's I guess it's just we've we've discussed this sort of character so much now and I think directly because of Brokeback it's like I don't know how interesting it is that being closeted is the central reason why you have issues and I don't even think that is the central reason, but because it's so significant in the story and he does seem to have this attachment to the boy that maybe is beyond just trying to have a friend. And that's, that's fine. I don't know. <laughs> I think I wanted it to be a little bit more. I wanted it to be a little bit more complicated maybe in some way, just because Jane Campion is so interesting. Uh, and these actors are all great. Um, there just, it wasn't, a, there wasn't that much going on really. I'm inclined to agree with you. I think, um, I, I don't, I, to tell you the truth, I don't know Jane Campion's movies incredibly well. I've seen like most people, the piano and then, um, sweetie, one of her earlier Australian movies, uh, which are very complicated, uh, to a, almost infuriating degree complicated and the rest i don't know very well i mean the rest i haven't seen so this is really only the third film of hers that i've seen uh but i think even compared to those two piano in it it does have more piano <laughs> there is a part where, <laughs> where jesse Plemons is like i know i'm gonna help you out i'm gonna buy you a piano and she's like oh that's too nice of a piano i really i don't i you know i played in the movie theater I, i'm not really good at that and i was like Oh, Jane, you got to have a piano in your movie. <laughs> you got to put that piano in. It's a woman playing the a piano. piano. And it was shot in New Zealand, so it's even the same location. It's probably the same piano. This is a straight-up COVID shot movie. I think uh, I think it started shooting a little bit before the pandemic started and then they and then they took a break and then finished shooting it and in New Zealand where there was like no cases, so they were Yeah amongst probably the happiest people in the world at that particular moment while shooting uh, the power of the dog. Yeah. Well, the thing that happens in the movie is, uh, I guess it's an infectious disease that kills him. I didn't really know anything about anthrax as something that animals got before watching this movie. I thought anthrax was just something, if you're crazy, you send it to congressmen in a little, uh, in an envelope. Yeah, I knew it mostly as uh, the band. Oh, I didn't know uh, that it was a naturally occurring substance. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that either. And you can it can be derived from, I guess, a dead animal. Yeah. So what happens in the movie 
is um, to Benedict Cumberbatch, Phil. I, Phil is Phil is also such a a, a non scary name. It's very hard to I think agree. of a yeah. Phil as a threat to anyone. It's like Phil. Yeah, just don't do his taxes right, and he'll be <laughs> and he'll be so upset. He'll just oh, leave you alone. He's not. Well, he's not even going to choose you as your as a CPA next year. He's not. He's gonna. He might even stomp his foot. Phil is going to probably sigh in a re- passive aggressive way. That's really uh, going to make you just make you feel dead inside, crushed inside. Yeah, yeah. He'll say something like, "Okay, well." And then just wait for you to finish the sentence. Yes. That's what Phil does. That's the kind of thing that I was expecting Phil to do. But Phil is is there. He goes on this this adventure with uh, the um, the son um, and sure. uh, Cody. We'll call him Cody from now on. We'll call him Cody. Cody sounds like a name of a cowboy. Cody the cowboy. I would I believe Cody. Yeah. So he go. They go out, and we've already established from the very first scene. That Phil will not touch animals that have died of anthrax. He won't touch animals. It's the very first scene. It's almost the first thing he says. Yeah. Somebody says about him and it's like, well, I kind of know what might happen in this movie. Just from that. Did Um, you you call it? Did you think that anthrax would be involved later on? I Well, when someone says, so he won't touch those animals. (laughs) Like, okay, I think he might. I think he might. I think something because you're telling me so pointedly at the beginning of this movie. So then it becomes a thing that this the uh, that uh, Cody and Phil are going to be friends now, and this this drives his mom crazy. She's already upset. It drives her crazy. Um, but what she doesn't realize is that he's decided he's going to. Uh, kill him i think this is his plan all along is he's going to figure out a way of killing phil yeah i don't think he's ever friends with him and i think that phil actually does become friends with him and thinks oh i have a friend now and maybe i don't need to uh pester your mom with my banjo skills so what he does is he says here i have this little piece of leather um you can use it to finish your finish this rope that you've been uh, braiding and Phil says, Oh, thank you so much. And then braids it in water. So it's a, it's a, it's an anthrax covered piece of leather and he braids it in water. So the cut that he has lets in the anthrax and we see all of this. And, and it's pretty clear that Cody realizes what he's doing. Uh, and then the next day he's very sick. And um, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> well, see, to me, there was that was the you scene can... where. <laughs> that was, <laughs> well, I mean, this this we're we're discussing we're discussing we're we're not uh we're not gonna um uh th- th- it's all spoilers. It's this all is spoilers. a this is an all spoiler show. Yeah. Um. But what I thought was going on in the end of that when the when uh, Phil is leaving for the hospital, I thought. He tries to give the rope to Cody and he starts to step forward. And then his brother says, no, I'll give it to him. It's okay. And that is the only thing I really remember about the movie. It's so sad. That moment is so sad because you see that he genuinely does care about this kid and he wants he wants something he can't have. And it doesn't seem like he wants to sleep with him. It seems more like he just is is so lonely and sad. Yeah, I think that the I think the I don't know, it's very easy to say now, knowing the direction that the movie goes that like, oh, yeah, I don't think he actually wanted to. He had any weird intentions with this kid at all. I will say watching it, I was very tense, worried about what he was going to do do so i did i i don't it's kind of it's a weird thing where in retrospect i can say like oh yes i don't think phil uh was gonna ever hurt anyone directly and but but during the film i was like get away from the boy you know i was very um get away from cody stay away from don't you touch cody and so i don't know 
I don't I don't know what he would have done had he not been uh, murdered. Yeah. Well, isn't that always the story? One thing I could say about this movie is the score is by Johnny Greenwood, who did the score for There Will Be Blood and a few mm-hmm. other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And I would I go as far as to say that the milieu of the movie, uh, sort of uh, American prairie, uh, is a little bit There Will Be Blood. And even the main character, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character, is sort of antagonistic in a kind of Daniel Plainview type way. And I f- just felt a lot of There Will Be Blood in this movie. And I think it's a it's a fair comparison. I think I even heard Benedict Cumberbatch sort of compare the two movies directly. And I think it's maybe a comparison which is unfortunate for this film and unfortunate for benedict cumberbatch because it's like (laughs) all right it's two of the same kind of character who's going to be better playing that part daniel day lewis or benedict cumberbatch and it's not really even a it's not necessarily a fair fight uh i I, I just don't i just think they're really different characters though it's daniel planview is a hateful bastard this guy is a hurt weird man like there's something about him. Daniel Plainview's a hurt, weird man. Yeah, but he's also a jerk. I mean, to touch back on the uh, my being a mom, like he's so horrible to his kid, and there will be blood. Yeah. Uh, and in in this, um, you know, Phil doesn't have a kid, but he actually. He, you know, he's insulting. He's like, oh, you made girl flowers. Meh, I'm going to burn them. Like, I don't like that you're doing girly stuff. But that's kind of it. I, I mean, I, I feel like there's some sort of oddness to the way that the movie is kind of suggesting that Phil is driving Rose crazy. And it's like, I think being incredibly isolated is driving her crazy. Yeah, she does seem she she does convey that well, and I think Kirsten Dunst is a, is excellent in the film conveying that kind of uh, really being in a marriage but being super super lonely. Yeah, she's completely alone. Where before she was running this boarding house, and so she would have people coming and going, and she didn't expect to not be lonely. And then she moves into this house where she she's seen by everyone as being like you know like a kind of a rube like a a a, you know a girl who went to high school and everyone else is like a professor or something yeah that's how she's treated and sort of her social class is significant because he's hanging out with the governor and his parents are very everyone in the story is wealthy and educated and she isn't and it's more that that is crushing her than what Phil is doing. So I think that the idea that, that Phil is this monstrous character, I don't, he's nowhere near Daniel Plainview because he doesn't really have, that isn't the main focus of his life. He's just sort of like a conflicted guy who for the most part doesn't really do anything, but the kid attributes his mom's misery to Phil and the movie does too because in the end he's looking at now his mom and her husband and being like oh they're okay now but I I suppose I I wondered about that because she's still going to be having dinner with the governor and feeling weird I don't think her problems are over at all I mean the the not the least of which is is alcoholism Um, but the class issue of it it seems important but also unimportant in a confusing way like they bring it up but then it isn't really the the focus i mean the the strange thing is when phil refuses to come to dinner because he won't clean up he won't wash yeah but he has the opportunity to do that because he is of that social class and it's not that he can't understand why it's that he chooses not to where she doesn't have that mobility that he has 
she the dinner scene um, it's the same dinner scene where where she plays the piano right the one right the, she can't really play the piano yeah and they're expecting her to and they're expecting her to in a very kind of like oh everybody everybody has some kind of skill or something and you this is obviously yours and uh phil is refusing to come into dinner because he he won't clean he stinks i think that scene is the centerpiece of the movie in a way and i thought it was probably the best scene in the movie uh her freezing at the piano and and after phil comes in uh that whole scene and i think in a way like you're saying they don't revisit necessarily sufficiently her worries and anxieties about class after that point you get the sense that she's very humiliated from this experience and then for the rest of the movie it's like well what was the fallout from that you know Um, yeah and what is her husband's actual attitude about that we don't really see it it's just like oh it's okay you're okay but he buys her this piano kind of wanting her to be able to do something that is she says is out of her ability yeah she's saying no i that's not me. And then he says, yes, it is. And then Phil says, no, it's not. And it's, it's a, it's a number of things that I think are probably to me a little bit more interesting than whether or not Phil is gay. I think whether or not a guy is gay is as a topic, maybe, maybe hackneyed at this point, it just doesn't feel as, as, complicated and interesting as well this is a lady in 1925 which is sort of at the beginning of you know she would be able to vote that's that's a different thing but she would have grown up not being able to vote she would have been trying to figure out if can she drive does she know how to drive and can she get a license well and she's she's hanging out with the governor but this is five years into her being able to vote at all that's kind of what does that mean in that world and it's it's in montana it's kind of a different sort of part of america but still she's got like the the world is opening up for some women in america and it isn't for her i found her character to be interesting because i wanted to know more about what it was that she like how did she end up there in the first place and her husband committed suicide what happened her husband probably drug her out there and made her work in some whatever that boarding house was and well except um, that the way that they are about his his being dead and leaving flowers at his grave it seems like he was kind of a great guy they they liked him yeah and certainly the it's boy- not like oh thank god he's dead it's like well he was wonderful and he only died a few years ago the yeah and uh the boy cody cody the yeah. boy uh, does seem to take upon, I think this, the first line is about how he felt he had to take care of his mother after his father's death. Uh, he seems like uh, he's ready to step into that position. Uh, it doesn't seem like an absent father or a, a bad father. It seems like he has to, he knows his obligation now is to take care of his mom. Yeah. And he doesn't really seem like he's dealt with this before either. He has, he's not like, Oh, Phil, you're just like my dad. It's like, yeah. I guess his parents were cool with him being kind of an artistic, quiet kid. So then what happened? I, I, I think just because I've seen a lot of movies, <laughs> maybe I'm, a, I'm more interested in what exactly is going on with the, the character that's falling apart because what is making her fall apart I kind of don't buy is just a guy being insulting to her because she's been working in this boarding house. Guys have been insulting to her for her entire life. Yeah, she's a, I I agree. She's the most interesting character in the movie and the one who in a way frustratingly seemed to know the, the least about, um, Kirsten Dunst. I like Kirsten Dunst is is, is an interesting actress because she's, one of the only people who's ever acted as a child who I fully accept as an adult. That's a, I have a problem when I see people who used to be kid actors where sometimes I get, they get stuck in my head as kid actors and she has very successfully become a fully adult uh, person uh, in my mind, all the way to the point in this movie where she's raising a, a, uh, a teenage son 
And yeah. I completely believe it. Yeah, no, she seems she seems I think part of it is that she's decided to become more of a character actress than a a, a pretending to be 16 for the rest of her life actress. Yeah. I think some of it is that she's not trying to she's not trying to pretend that she isn't an adult with I think two kids that her life experience is maybe coming into it. I hope so. I mean certainly acting with her actual partner has got to be interesting and I think they're great together. I really I think every time I've seen them act together they're great. Um I just I think I I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I I think he's a good actor. I just in this movie it it felt like you're you're focusing on the wrong guy who is a compelling character but it feels like he's the most he's the character who has been done the most times and I'm more interested in hearing about who's this lady who's this kid because we start out with them and the kid is capable of some really kind of methodical creepy planning of killing someone who is in the way of his mother's happiness it made me go did your dad kill himself <laughs> did well i think we need to talk about cody is where it comes down yeah, to yeah. oh my god there's a movie i'll never watch again <laughs> we uh, need to talk about kevin <laughs> I may never watch it, although I really do like we need to talk about Kevin, but it made me it made me uh, think about this uh, or this movie made me think about that one. The idea of having this boy who's just a little bit weird and a little bit, you know, picking at things and opening things and dissecting things. And well, what is he just like is that kind a... of kind of just going to let that one be like, hey, man, you didn't didn't occur to you to be careful about anthrax. Yeah, I'm just a dumb idiot who doesn't even know not to cut things off animals and nobody is the wiser because he knows what's up. But I just I didn't I I felt like even though this movie has a little bit of murder in it, some uh, some upset mom stuff in it, I really didn't it didn't trigger anything. I was like, OK, yeah, that's fine. There are no children in this. <laughs> <laughs> so you were not disturbed by this movie <laughs> i think i just really i wasn't as much as i saw it after people were talking about oh my god it's so tense it's so it's so tense and benedict cumberbatch is so scary and when i actually saw it i thought yeah it's one of these guys who's like always oh, so intimidating because nobody gets that he's just a really sad guy who's the second he can sit down and be like, Hey, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, Bronco Henry was like a really great guy. Oh, you're listening to me. Oh, okay. Well then we're best friends. That's true. He, he just needed someone to listen to him. <laughs> he just needed someone to listen to his stories about Bronco Henry. But why is he even a cowboy? I think I just, there was a bunch of stuff where I was like, where is the information on how he became a genius college student? To now he's a stinky cowboy. Why? He's very good at cutting a, a what is the word for um, castrating? He's very good at castrating. Ugh, he just yanked them off. He can do it in like 10 seconds. They actually show it very, very graphically in the movie. Uh, I don't understand why you would do it that way. That seems bad. I do think there's, I, I have to um, put on my film school cap and, and say I do think the castration is a metaphor of some kind. It's a metaphor for uh, uh, love. It's a metaphor for nothing to yeah. I don't know. Is castration ever a metaphor? Probably not. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably never been a metaphor before. A metaphor? A metaphor, metaphor. before now. That's how Joseph Campbell says it, metaphor. Uh-huh. I know. This metaphor. Um, I uh, spoke to my dad about this movie. Oh. Because... Did you, you sat side by side and, and, and didn't acknowledge each other's faces. <laughs> you got to do it like Phil. <laughs> we looked off into the middle distance and discussed the movie. No, he was. we were on a call about something other, some other logistical thing or something. And... Um, 
and he said i watched the this thing that won the golden globe last night uh, and i got to all the way to the 20 minutes to the end and and i i i i, I thought man this is really boring um and he just thought it was boring and i've mm-hmm. heard i've heard complaints about sort of the uh, not necessarily the length but the pacing I think uh, people are, I think a lot of people are just sort of saying the movie's very slow. I don't disagree entirely that it's a slow movie. I wasn't bored by it, but I don't think it's slow. I think, I think slow is, is part of the problem of streaming it because I did think while, while I was watching it, man, I'd be a little bit more engaged with every one of these scenes, which are beautiful if I was watching it in a theater. I think I really, I would be a little bit more sort of dialed into what's happening, but I also, I also just, I can't stop harping on it. I feel like the, there wasn't enough of a villain in this movie for me to be, to be, I think that's the problem is if your dad was saying I was bored, it's because he wasn't fully getting the menace because otherwise it's just about some sort of frustrated people without like an oh no what's gonna happen next kind of feeling then okay and it is kind of boring yeah and i think that's where i where maybe i found it less boring was i i was waiting for some kind of uh, just I, I guess i was waiting for violence i was waiting for some kind of outburst some kind of explosion and there is ultimately violence in the film but it's just not from the direction that i was expecting yes they kill a rabbit but I mean, do you need a villain? I guess is the question. I guess maybe this movie did need more of a villain rather than a kind of. Well, I don't think it needed one necessarily. I just think it set up around one. The way that the other characters are written and depicted is like all of our lives revolve around this person. And what he chooses to do impacts us a lot. So if that character really seems kind of like maybe toothless in a certain way, then what are we watching? Yeah. And I don't think like, I think in the piano, the, 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 the weird dynamic that they have, uh, Harvey Keitel, no one's ever wondered if Harvey Keitel's menace is for real. I don't think in a movie. So like, I don't know if I buy Harvey Keitel is up to no good or wants something a lot or, you think just, in real life Harvey Keitel is trouble? No, I mean in movies. Oh. As an actor, he has a weight to his weirdness or menace or something that I just don't think that was being played here. Not that Benedict Cumberbatch can't do that, but he he just seemed disappointed and confused. Well, and- this is something I would I would I I and with a lot of respect to Benedict Cumberbatch, I would say that maybe he can't. I mean, it's possible that he can't. I mean, this is what I'm saying with the the Daniel the uh, Daniel Day-Lewis comparison is that maybe he just is not he, You think he might, he's just a nicer guy than Daniel Day-Lewis? <laughs> I mean, I don't I certainly don't think he's as intense as Daniel Day-Lewis is and He does, might just be a sweeter man. He's and you like might have not to, that upset. <laughs> Yeah, and you have to access <laughs> to play the part. You have to access parts of yourself that are, are that are really, really unpleasant. And I don't know if I've seen Benedict Cumberbatch do that. I, not to say that he can't, but I don't. I don't think in this movie. I don't know if he does. But I don't think that the movie was written that way either. Like, what is he doing that is so incredibly menacing? And then at the end, he's never done anything menacing. I just feel like a character whose big move to make you uh, to try and get you to feel bad about yourself is playing banjo really well. It's just not a threatening character. It's not hey, a flaw never, in the acting. You've never been threatened with a banjo. Just wait until you get threatened with a banjo song one day. Like I know Ooh, dueling banjos is a big deal. It's like you duel with the banjos and then you lose and then you're just like, I guess I kill myself now. But- she should have had a banjo. It wasn't a fair duel without if she'd had a banjo to respond with to his banjo, it would have been fair fight. She didn't even try. She didn't even try. But I just feel like that's not the kind of it is not a person who is written as being truly terrifying. I don't think it's an acting problem. I think he's it's it's like it's a pretty sympathetic depiction of this guy. Yeah, the uh, I don't know much about this book. 
it's from the you said from the 60s 1967 thomas savage yeah uh, and he wrote a lot of western kind of set stories i haven't read this one or any of them um but it's a book that was it's kind of a cult classic i guess from then yeah, I guess that's a question. Is the is it lacking dramatic stakes? Is it is it lacking tension in the writing or is it lacking tension in the adaptation? Yeah. I mean, maybe the problem that I'm having is that it's actually just too many, too many times that I've seen a story where somebody is conflicted about their sexuality and this results in them being unpleasant with other people. Oh yeah, okay, okay, but that doesn't explain why. You're going to banjo someone. Don't banjo people. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I do have to say that that scene where he, I think the reveal is when he's like uh, putting mud on himself in the mm-hmm. uh, yeah, lake. Yeah, he's taking and he's... a little, little sexy gay cowboy bath. And then I forget where the reveal of him, uh, someone finds like these muscle magazines. Or, or a, Yeah, uh, Cody finds the magazines that yeah. are addressed to bronco henry so he makes the connection oh bronco henry must have been getting porno magazines and now phil has these porno magazines there must have been something going on with them but i have to say that at that moment it was a little it was slightly like oh okay this again uh it did not strike me as the newest freshest approach like as a Uh, reason for there to be something weird about him it's like he's gay yeah half those cowboys are gay why are you why are you being so <laughs> maybe all of them yeah, i mean how many of those cowboys were gay like why are you being like this and i know that that's by very liberal california universe but it's like oh geez man come on stop it stop it and stop stop being rude to the like it would have made more sense to me that he was upset with uh, if if it wasn't his brother who was married, it was his friend who was married. It was actually he was jealous and couldn't let it go because he was jealous or something. Even that's cheesy. But like, why did it matter to so much to him that his brother was married? Like, what well, does that have to do with anything? I think if it had been his friend being married, you might have assumed that it was a he 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 um, had a jealousy. Uh, right but he seems jealous uh uh, i think he is he is jealous but i think you you would think of it as a romantic jealousy like he loved the friend like let's say jesse plimmons were just his friend you would say well he obviously is in love with jesse plimmons is right gonna be mean to his wife but in this iteration the actual one it's not a made-up one they he seems to be jealous of his brother for what reason why is he upset about this why does he even care like, except for the class idea of maybe he doesn't, he does seem to think that it's bad that she's kind of not of their world. But then if that's his issue, then let's make the movie more about that and less about like, oh, he has porno magazines. Okay. Yes. I mean, that seems very modern of him to have porno magazines, honestly. It did seem really advanced for 1925. Yeah. And they were, they were in a little outdoor box thing and they were kept perfectly intact he knew he knew how to bag he knew how to backboard he knew how he knew that a crimp in the middle of the uh a crimp a crease or a dog ear uh, decreases its value yes they were not mint in box 1925 uh muscle boy (laughs) magazines i don't know those those would probably sell for a lot on ebay though oh i think they uh would sell for tons yeah the um oh yeah i think those are a hot ticket uh I was looking up uh, just about on these characters. Do you know who was originally cast? This is just the laziest Wikipedia search. Uh-huh. But uh, originally, before the multiple uh, scheduling conflicts, Elizabeth Moss was to be in the Kirsten Dunst part, and Paul Dano was to be in the Jesse Plemons part. But who was going to play the other one? I think Benedict Cumberbatch was always set for that role. But even so, uh, again, Paul Dano, I'm like, how much more there will be blood can this movie get? (laughs) And Paul Dano was almost in it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I like Jane Campion. I like the piano. I like this 
Meg Ryan movie called In the Cut that no one's seen. Uh, that's basically porn. So I don't really understand why this wasn't more porn. If you're going to make it all about how how conflicted he is, like just just have it be more, like Jane Campion can go there with the boners all over the place. She just went there. Yeah, put the boners in, not covered in dirt. <laughs> Don't put the dirt boner in there. It wasn't even a boner. Don't just put a flaccid dirt covered dick in the movie. If you're Jane Campion and you're like penis everywhere and this movie, I just get a, a dirt covered dick. I don't need to see a dirt covered dick in this movie. I think that's a change. That's the change in the season though. I think that like the piano, which was like almost erotica, for, you know, uh, at the time of its release, I don't, I don't know if you could get that movie made now. I think that maybe the Netflix uh, world is a little bit um, uptight or I will, maybe as a culture, we're just more conservative about showing these things in movies, but I wish I'm with you in the sense that I wish there was, I wish that the, the movie were sexier or, or more sexually charged. Yeah. Cause then I, film. then I'm like, then there's some tension. Just not enough tension. A lot of tension in the music. I think tons of tension in the music, but you take that music out. I just don't think there's a lot going on. And then, then that makes the kids seem way creepier. It's like, Oh, you weren't really being threatened that much. And you murdered him. Okay. This little kid in his white shoes. Yeah. How did he keep those shoes so white? I don't know. I'm amazed anytime I watch a Western and someone like takes out a, like a pen or a comb or a, a journal or anything. And it's not just completely dirty. I'm amazed. Like, how did you do that? How did you, you live in the old West and you kept a, a, a journal clean. That's not possible. <laughs> well, I think the thing about the West, since I'm from the old West, uh, I'm from the new West. I'm from the West. Well, you're uh, from, you, you come from uh, the desert. You come from a... a yeah, um, I come yeah. from a place that's very dry and not New Zealand. I think New Zealand's a little different. But I think what happens is that because there's no moisture, things don't really stick. So it's just, yeah, there's a lot of dust, but it's not sticking to anything. It's so, like uh, Lawrence of Arabia. The desert is uh, uh, clean, he says. Yes, the desert is very... Like, there's no mold. Yeah. So the, everything is... It's pretty sterile. So if it's like that, then you, you don't get that dirty. But I think Montana, the climate's maybe different because you stinky. I mean, you definitely would get stinky if you stopped. You were wearing leather pants all day. And only bathed in mud. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do you need to put dirt all over your dick? I don't know why that. I was just like, this is seriously the only penis I'm going to see in this movie. All right. <laughs> Come on, Jane. Because the level of penis in her other movies is so high. Uh, does it show well i guess it shows up in uh, i've not seen in the cup but that's that's mark ruffalo I so imagine, much penis and, and then, then in uh, in uh the top of the lake which is oh yes and uh, i mean which is uh, i think why she was gonna cast elizabeth moss um this the second season of that was terrible but the first season is like so intense and crazy and i guess just because i know how intense jane campion movies can be and how high the stakes can be in her movies i didn't I was kind of like, hmm, this one feels uh, a little bit of a softball. Uh, on that note, uh, where does this movie stand on your MPAA rating? Uh, oh, yes. My mama panic attack assessment rating. Um, well, because there really aren't. I don't like killing animals. That freaks me out. Uh, because there's animals are too similar to children. <laughs> They're small. <laughs> Pretty small. Okay, good. <laughs> we don't really point. see that. I don't like the testicles getting ripped off because that's just more of a general thing. <laughs> that's not related to anything. That's just like it seems like it would hurt. Um, and I really felt for a character who was who felt like he couldn't be himself, and so it kind of was like an ingrown toenail and he he became unpleasant to everyone where I really he was the one who was in pain even though I've seen that character before I felt for him uh I appreciated a teenage character who was didn't kind of have any kind of like teen uh 
sort of irritating teen qualities. You just seem like, yeah, I'm a basically a young adult. I'm young adult helping his mom making flower arrangements for the darn uh, restaurant. Yeah. And I like the way that she saw him and was like, cool. Yeah, that's what you're like. Um, There seemed to be no real problems with him except being a murderer. Um, But I like that. I didn't I didn't I wasn't worried that he was going to get murdered because he seemed so capable of uh, he seemed to know what was going on, which was reassuring. Um, so I would give this, uh, I would give this like a G. This didn't really bother me. Whoa. <laughs> That's a twist that I did not expect power of the dog yeah. to get a G. See, these ratings are not related to the content. Cause you know, I don't the, have a, I don't have a problem with murder or dicks. Just to I have recap a problem with threatening children. <laughs> Threatening children, things that kind of imply, yeah, like a, a threat. So just to, like just a, to, like a like a threat of like some sort of sexual thing, some kind of like physical thing, some kind of like abusive thing, like being demeaning or, or hurtful to a child. To me, is such a much bigger deal than a stupid old penis. Who cares? Yeah. So just so like to, to recap, we have done the the, the movie the the movie The Lost Daughter, which was is a rated R. Uh, received a rated uh, an MPAA rating of R. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so equally, because I was really worried the yeah. whole time. Um, you've got Mail, which is a, I believe, a PG movie was a was a G in your estimation. Yeah, I think this is the same. <laughs> and, and Power of the Dog, which is rated R, is also a G. <laughs> it's also a G because you can murder as many adults as you want, and I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with you can murder adults and you can show all the dicks and butts you want and boobs, but there were no boobs in this, just dicks and butts. Yeah, there's I mean, there's there's also is this one of those movies where it's like the movie has like four characters. It's a little bit of an insulated story. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a perfect story to be watching and being like, great, more of this isolation. Cool, because what she was basically experiencing was a pandemic. Or she couldn't go anywhere or see anyone. And then there was this one malevolent character that wouldn't stop bothering her. So I think Benedict Cumberbatch is actually playing COVID in this movie. <laughs> and once you actually like look at him in the face and you have the booster, you just go, I don't know. You're not that scary. Well, wait a minute. I'm looking at the, at the, uh, sort of the plot synopsis here. It says there, it says his name is Phil Omicron Burbank. <laughs> what? I missed that the first time. It's so oh, crazy because wow. that book's from 1967. You would never think to name someone That's Omicron. That's so weird. That's so weird. Oh, it's a Bible they... name. It's oh, a, oh, yes. It's oh, a yes. biblical yeah. name. Yes. By the way, you know, I'm, I, I, um, I know a little bit of Bible. I did not know what the power of the dog was. And yes. was actually shocked at the end to know that it is from the book of Psalms. Yes. My soul from the sword. My darling from the power of the dog my darling uh, darling in the bible is kind of a weird one having not uh spent a lot of time reading the bible but knowing a lot of it from things like this where you just you want to title a movie and you just flip through the bible and you find you find a good line yeah and just so you know uh th- there are no dogs in the movie um except for a no dog dogs are the, harmed there's a shadow of a dog on a mountain uh, yes but there's and that's a- that's when we know benedict Cumberbatch is like whoa he's like you saw that like i i've been looking at that mountain and seeing a dog and you saw that cody whoa i think we're gonna be friends like yeah that's not like some psycho okay you're just lonely we're all lonely okay <laughs> gee sorry sorry jane campion g well i can't believe jane made a g i would have never predicted in my life that jane would make a g in terms mm-hmm. of emotional i mean what you're a lot of what you're talking about is specific to motherhoods but actually maybe specific to your perspective but uh but uh, uh i'll just but i think it's good in terms of an overall sense of how disturbing is a movie and i agree with you the movie is not that really disturbing maybe tense for a minute but not disturbing so i think i would put it as a as, from my perspective i would it would be a g or a pg for me as well yeah so. i think sometimes some some way that i'm thinking about this rating system is like 
well, what is actually disturbing in here that feels kind of for real disturbing and isn't just like the stupid American notions of what's unacceptable to show in a movie? Yeah, not the yeah, the F word is not going to trauma. Like, yeah, uh uh-huh. Everyone's heard that word. Yes. And oh, a a penis. Yes. Everyone has immediate access to a penis 100 percent of the time. Okay. And and also there's so many streaming shows that have, I mean, Euphoria has a scene that's like 15 dicks in a row. I got to check this Euphoria out. Yeah, Euphoria. Euphoria is kind of disturbing. It involves young people doing things. Well, this is another thing that I'm, uh, while we, this week uh, I've talked to you a couple of times and every time you're talking about, you're saying, I watched some Euphoria. I watched more Euphoria tonight. I finished yeah. Euphoria. And you're the last person who I would think would, would want to watch Euphoria. But, and yet somehow you seem, you seem, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're, you're, I don't know if you're undisturbed by it, but you definitely are, are, you watched it. That's all I know is you watched all of it. Well, I just think it's a cartoon. It's not like anything that's actually happening. It's a 25 year old people having problems in high school that are so outsized. Nobody is worried about the SATs. I think that's where my rating for power of the dog is like, if you don't really buy if this isn't bothering you on a deep level, then there's a reason it's not actually going to that place. I did find the scene where he's trying to give the the rope back to the kid really sad and moving. And like, yeah, that's a really, really sad moment because that makes me think this is a guy who really shouldn't have been poisoned, that he he maybe was going to be able to be like he was the one who was scammed by the kid and that was really sad if the kid was slightly less of a weird person or a protective person or a misunderstanding person or something that he would just be like can you stop treating my mom like that and he'd go oh okay yeah but instead this happened which seemed like a bunch of misunderstandings in a way but just not enough not enough for me to uh I mean, euphoria has absolutely nothing to do with it, but it's, it's, I think when things don't really feel that, uh, real or they just feel like, yeah, you've told me this story already. Like I'm not troubled. Well, in a way, almost what you're saying is like you, you almost, you almost need to be affected by the movie in a way to, to be disturbed. Um, I have this feeling about movies sometimes where, uh, I'll walk away from a movie saying I hated that movie or, I th- or it scared me or disturbed me. And then later on, I realize, well, of course, it 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 did so because it was effective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like- it doesn't mean I uh, it doesn't mean it's it. Uh, the experience of disturbing me and shocking me was 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 worthwhile. I feel this way about the movie Mother, the Darren Aronofsky movie. No, where, I don't want to talk about that movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't think I don't. My opinion is not worth it. Whatever it brought up yeah, was not I know worth it. from an interview with Jennifer Lawrence where it says what happens in the movie, and that's plenty. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's not worth it. It's not worth. What I rate that movie, NC seventeen, from a distance. Okay, <laughs> from a distance. You're not going to touch it with a ten foot pole. Um, well, I think uh, that about covers Power of the Dog. Anything? Any other thoughts? I thought that the. The movie looked beautiful. I always want to go to New Zealand. And uh, this movie was no exception. I wanted to go to New Zealand. I think the light there is very similar to growing up in Southern California desert. It's very, it's like there's a clean air, maybe a little bit cold, like extreme weather that you can see in those images that it's, that's really gorgeous and um is also incredibly isolating like the the way that it was shot was really lovely i thought yeah i would have gladly lived there. i will gladly live in new zealand anytime if new zealand would like to uh, take me as a citizen i will i will gladly <laughs> move there and uh we should send this to them yeah they'll be like but you you didn't like jane's movie so no uh, but i've liked a lot of them new zealand don't don't you see i i do like 
I do like Jane Campion. It's just that this this particular one was it was not my favorite. And I actually did like this one. It just was my favorite one. Oh, New Zealand, please just let me in. Yeah. New Zealand, do Ryan a favor. Let him go in and live in a hobbit house with a round door. We're all I'll, set. I'll work for Peter Jackson. I'll help him go through the 900 hours of Beatles footage. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Hobbit footage and that too. All right. Well, that was that. That's uh, I'm uh, Ann. I'm Ryan. And we'll see you next week.